right, well, welcome to week two of a mini, and I'm talking about like mini, mini teaching series that we are doing. Uh, we started it last week on the significance of baptism. By the way, last week we had 17, 17 people actually get baptized. I'd say, man, that's something worth celebrating. You know, 17 people stepping over the line of faith and saying, you know what, I want Jesus to be, I want to be a Jesus fan. I want, I'm, I'm in. I want to declare publicly that I'm going to follow him. And so this, um, this two-week series, we talked about the significance of baptism last week. And today, we're talking about the significance of communion. Some people call it the Lord's Supper. And that's why we have these little cups here. And so you can, um, I'll talk to you about it a little bit more later, but it's got two little layers and we'll, we'll talk, I'll show you how to do that um, later. But what I want to do for the next few minutes, just in case you're just stepping in, maybe you, weren't, you didn't show up last week, or maybe this is your first time with us, I want to give you like a, a 30 second recap. Okay, so we're not going to do the whole message on baptism. If you want to Go back and listen to it. You're welcome to do that. You can watch it on YouTube or our podcast or anything like that. But just a quick recap, just to bring everybody on the same page. What we said last week is that human beings, like we are, we're a little bit strange. When you say, like I'd say, like you know, most of us are a little strange. And we have the unusual propensity to do things that like other living things don't do, okay? So like we have this need or this desire throughout our lives to mark, um, to celebrate different things, okay? So we have the unusual propensity for markers and milestones. And so uh, what, what do you mean by that, Alex? What are you talking about? Well, we celebrate like birthdays, for example, okay? We celebrate things like baby dedication next week, um, we are going to be dedicating some babies, and if you have a child and uh, you would like to dedicate them, make sure you go on our website, sign them up, and so we can, we can do that. Also, what, who knows what next week is? Does anybody know? Mother's Day. Mother's Day. So moms, use this as leverage if you want your family to come to church. Next week is the week that you can use your spiritual leverage, okay? Bring your family. We're expecting a lot of people. We're actually doing a brand new series. You don't want to miss it. Um, it's called, let's put it up on, on the screen, Ups and Downs, Navigating the Challenges of Family Life. I don't know about you, but anytime you put a group of people together, imperfect people, there's a potential for chaos, have you ever had a little chaos in your family? Don't look at me like you haven't. I know you have. Can I be, can I be a little bit vulnerable? Katie could tell you. Last night, we had a little chaos at my house. And so um, I'll, I'll stop it at that, okay? Not, I'll share more later, okay? Uh, but I will, um, um, so next week, ups and downs, never getting the challenges of family life. Um, I have a little surprise for you, but you got to be here. To, uh, I won't tell you. It's a surprise. So uh, make sure you're here, and uh, I think that you will be pleased. So that's starting next week. We have Mother's Day, baby dedication. And so we have this innate need, um, natural desire to celebrate, whether it's weddings, 
uh, Mother's Day anniversaries, uh, graduations are coming up, right? That we all do graduations, you know, retirement parties, funerals, and stuff like that. Like other living things, not so much. Your pets, they don't care if you celebrate, you know, their birthdays or whatever, right? Your plants, nobody, no plants are going like, oh, you know what? We got to celebrate this, you know? Um, in the Christian life, there are two major markers, milestones that we celebrate, okay? One is baptism. We did that last week. And we said, we said that baptism, let's put it on the screen, it's, it's your initiation as a Jesus follower. So the very first test of obedience, to know that you are like, that this is the real deal, that you're in, that you're a, a Jesus follower, is baptism, okay? And that's, that's the way that God set it up. That's the way that it's, you know, when you study scripture, that's the way God wants it for us. Because I think that there is a difference between saying, you know what, yes, I own my junk, Lord. I need you as my Savior. I need you to come into my life and help me out, help me to do this, this thing that we call life. And it's a totally different ballgame to, to step into that baptistry and declare publicly, okay, that like, yeah, I am a Jesus fan, okay? So that was last week. Today, the topic is communion, the significance of communion. Now, in order for me to explain communion properly, I have to go back I have to go all the way back. Because from the very beginning of civilization, when you look at different, if you study history, okay, and you don't even have to be a believer to understand this concept, okay? Like we always say, you don't have to believe what we believe in order for us to love you. And so this is just, this, just look it up, okay? Whether you still have questions, wherever you're at in your relationship with God. When you look at ancient cultures, ancient civilizations throughout history, they have always had this fascination with other beings, okay? At times, they're called gods, okay? So uh, I guess the, the narrative goes something like this. Uh, here's what people have said for many, 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 hundreds of years, thousands of years. They've said, life is unpredictable. Okay, yeah, we would probably would agree. Uh, and in order for us to cope with the stress of life, we have to come, like we believe that, like there's some supreme being, some people believe there's one, some people believe there's many, okay? If you look at history, throughout history, like the people have said that it's many, okay? And so we believe that, like whoever many these are, we need them on our side, and we're going to worship them. We're going to pray to them, because life is unpredictable, and so we're dependent on the gods, little g, for our rain. We're dependent on the gods for um, our crops. Uh, throughout history, when you were going to battle, you know, you would pray to the gods if you wanted victory in battle. Also, like childbirth, often they would sacrifice and they would pray and they would do all kinds of crazy, crazy things to, so that not only would you have a healthy child, but you would have a healthy son. And for some reason, I'm so sorry, ladies, but when you look at the past, 
there's always been this, this preference of having, over, having sons over daughters. And so they would, they would sacrifice, they would pray, they would do all kinds of rituals because they wanted a healthy male son, okay? Now, here's the tricky part when you look, when you look at the history of it. For the most part, people didn't know what they had to do to get the gods to do whatever they wanted them to do. And so, ancient cultures believed that to gain the favor of the gods, you had to bring something precious. You had to bring a sacrifice of some sort. You had to make this thing available, and then the gods would look at you, and they would go, oh, wow, now I'm going to send the rain. Now I'm going to stop the rain, or whatever, whatever the request, okay? And, and primarily the goal was to bribe the gods to keep them happy, to appease them. In other words, all, the gods held all the cards. You tracking? Everybody good? You're with me? Okay. It was so bad that often what they would do, it was they would sacrifice the lives of the enemy. Now, if the prayers were not answered, they would increase the intensity of the sacrifice or the gift or whatever. And when it got real bad, they would even sacrifice people that were close to you within your realm of influence. You would sacrifice your neighbor. You would sacrifice, if it got really, 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 really bad, and this is kind of hard to say, and, and it's, it's even hard to read, like when you look, study this in history, they would sacrifice little baby, just innocent babies. And the idea was this. The idea was, I'm going to give you something that's so precious to me, and in return, I need you to do me a favor. Now, when you look at ancient Jewish worship, totally different. Because all of a sudden, you have this, this Hebrew God who actually cared about the people it wasn't always about the sacrifice he actually literally cared about the well-being and how they were getting along and so when when you look at ancient jewish history what you realize is that this hebrew god they call him jehovah they that what they what they said is he values human life he doesn't want anybody to be sacrificed like he doesn't even like talk about sacrificing babies that's a big no-no and we have people like Solomon. Remember King Solomon, Proverbs? Let's put it on the screen. King Solomon wrote many of the ancient texts. You, you, you can read all about him. But in Proverbs, King Solomon said, 21 verse 3, he said something like this. The Lord is more, more pleased. Help me read the underlined section, okay? Let's all read it with enthusiasm. The Lord is more pleased when we do what is right and just than when we offer him sacrifices. And this is not the only verse in the Old Testament. It's, it's all over, okay? And then, don't miss this, okay? If you miss anything else in the message, that's cool, but this part, don't miss. Because then this Hebrew God, a little over 2,000 years ago, in an unprecedented reversal of events, did something that changed the history of the world. 
this Hebrew God, this Jehovah God did something that no other culture, no other civilization had ever experienced before. Like nobody had ever seen this. Jehovah God, through Jesus, decides to sacrifice himself for the good of the people, for the good of the human race. It had always been, we're going to sacrifice for our gods. And then about 2,000 years ago, you have this Hebrew God who says, no, 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 no. We're not going to do it like this. I am actually, through Jesus, going to sacrifice myself for you because you matter so much. And through Jesus, he brought us peace and he brought us forgiveness. He brought us a way for imperfect people to connect with him. And that is the God that I worship. My God flipped the script. And I don't know about you, but I have a tendency, most of you, you believe in that same God. A God of love, a God of full of grace, a God of redemption. And so if you and I, if we're just having a conversation, let's just say that, you know, we're having coffee and you ask me, hey, what is, what is communion about? And by the way, like what we're doing with this, we use these little cups and they're kind of funny looking. It's got two layers, you know. Communion back in the day was nothing like this, okay? So we use these, you know, so we're not passing the plate and and um, you know spreading germs and all of that I know with COVID you know is the one thing you don't want to do have you ever been to a church where they like like they have everybody come forward and everybody drinks from the same cup aren't you glad that we don't do that (laughs) I I went to a church once and I you know I was just a guest first time and and um, they do communion at the end and the guy literally gets up and he's got a big cup all right like big golden cup and he starts calling the people, and all of a sudden I see that everybody stands up, and they're, they're lining up, and they get the bread, and they all take of the same cup. And I'm like, okay, I'm not doing that, you know? Um, we're not doing that today, okay? So I know, I know this is kind of, you know, weird for some of you, but listen, this is, um, this is our way of, like, if you ask me, what is communion about? If I had to put all of a theology into one little peel, like, like you know how when you take your vitamins, you know, you got all these nutrients that you're supposed to, like, get from that one If I had to take all of a theology and put it into a little peel, here's what I would say communion is all about. It's this word right here. It's about remembering the sacrifice that our God made for us. From the very beginning of time, human beings have offered their crops, they've offered their animals, they've offered their children as a sacrifice to God. But then, 2,000 years ago, in a shocking reversal of things, God, he says, nope, I'm going to change it, and I'm going to sacrifice myself for you. And so, if Jesus was here today, he would say something similar to what he said right before he goes to the cross. And if you were there, I have a feeling that you may potentially say this. When Jesus takes bread, and again, it doesn't look like this. It was, you know, it was flat matzah bread and breaks it. And he says, he says, As often as you do this, I want you to remember me. 
if you would have been one of his disciples at that table, I think that you would have said, oh, come on, Jesus. Like, we're not going to forget you because he had radically changed them. They were, I mean, they had seen the miracles. Like, we hear the stories, and, and we have faith, right? But it's a, it's, and I think, think we can say this carefully, right? Like, it's different. If Jesus was here, and like, he was healing people in front of our very eyes, and he was multiplying the bread, you would, I think we would all agree, like, man, like, I would have, I would have given anything to be there when he was there, right? And maybe my faith is not that big, but it's, it's a little bit different, and so when Jesus took the bread and he broke it and he said, as often as you do this, I want you to do me a favor. Uh, remember me because in a few moments, my body is going to be broken for you. My body, like I'm going to hurt for you. And if I'm Jesus in that moment with my little knowledge, I would have said, we're not going to forget you. This is nonsense. We don't need this. You've transformed my life. You've changed my life. We've seen the miracles. Are you kidding me? But Jesus knew better. He knew that everything about us fades, right? Our memories fades. Does your memory, do you ever forget things? I have to tell Siri to remind me about the reminders that I've told her to remind me about. <laughs> no, I'm not joking. I will have, I'll set up alarms, I'll set up reminders, and I'll, you know, I'll set up alarms to remind me to check my alarms, you know. Everything about us fades. Does your worship ever fade? My worship fades, you know, I know I'm supposed to be the spiritual guy, right? Man, there are times when, man, I'm not, my worship is not where it's been in the past. Our confidence fades. Does that, do you ever feel a little less confidence? about something going on in your life peace our peace fades i mean you look at the news and the last couple of months i mean you know that our power our strength our hearts for him fade sometimes our hearts get a little cold sometimes we, we just kind of our souls get a little bit dried up and so jesus says remember me because he knows how powerful memories can be that's why we, we build monuments when we have heroes that go into the battlefield and sacrifice their, their lives. What do we do? We build mon monuments because we don't want to forget. I remember when I went to um, the 9-11 memorial, okay? Like, amazing, amazing. But one of the reasons why we do those monuments is because we, our memories fades. It's the reason why you... One of the reasons why you wear a wedding band. You want to remember the commitment that you made to your spouse in front of her, the, the pastor, and a bunch of people. It's like, what, whatever it takes, like I, I, need, I need a constant reminder. And so what I want to do for the next 11 minutes is I want to, you may say, like, what specifically do we need to remember? Well, I want to give you five verses, okay? And you guys are doing really good, so we'll, we're going to fly through these. Five, five different verses in the New Testament okay, that we're commanded to remember, okay? The first one is this. The first one is in Colossians. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. Let's put it up on the screen. It says this. Watch this. Don't miss it. It says, you were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. 
then God made you alive with Christ, which baptism is that, right? Baptism is you're dying to your sins, you're coming back again, coming back up, and you're declaring that Jesus is victorious, that he's given you your dead life, your, bad, your past life is dead, you're going to bury it, and you're going to come out, and you're a new person. That doesn't mean that you don't ever struggle with, with sin again. What that means, it's just a picture of what Christ has done for you. That's what this verse is saying. You were dead, but now you are alive with Christ. For he forgave all your sins. Aren't you grateful that it wasn't like some or most, but all of them, regardless of what you've done, he's forgiven you. Now watch, look at verse 14. It says, then he canceled the record. Think of the worst sin that you've ever committed, okay? Just think of the thing that like you... Do not like, to, like nobody knows maybe, I don't know. Like think of that thing that's like, man, I'm just like, I know that, like I screwed up big time. Okay? Keep that in mind, of the, the forefront. He, Jesus, canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross so it wasn't the romans that put it wasn't just the romans that put jesus on the cross it wasn't just the jews that cried out crucified him it was your sin it was my sin he canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away took that sin away by nailing it to the cross now let me kind of illustrate this like this imagine that you get a call from your bank have you ever gotten a call from a bank? Oh, okay, that. <laughs> Not a good call, right? But let's say that this is a different kind of call, all right? Imagine that your bank, whoever you bank with, calls you, and, and, and you, they, they go, hey, is this, is this uh, Mr. or Mrs. So-and-so? And you go, yeah, that is he or she or whatever. And you go, and they go, yes, ma'am or yes, sir. Um, we wanted to inform you that we've received this call from an anonymous donor who is wanting to pay all of your debt. Okay. <laughs> like, we don't get those calls that often, right? Okay, let me check into it. I don't know if I quite believe this. Yes, yes, yes. Some person who's got lots of money wants to pay, like, your, your mortgage? Like, paid off. Your, your car notes? <laughs> You know, note or notes, I don't know, maybe you have more than one, paid off. Your dad's credit card, you got some credit, all paid, a hundred percent. What would you do? Like, just pretend, okay, can we just daydream a little bit? <laughs> can we just, can we just pretend for a second? I think I like pretending a little bit, you know? What if somebody called you this afternoon and they said, hey, everything's paid for? You're like, that's what I would be doing. <laughs> I'd be calling my parents. I'd be telling you the next week. Guys, guess what? You're not going to believe. This is what happened. Let's put the verse back up. Could, Nathan, could you put the verse back up? The last one, 14. He canceled the record. He canceled the record of the charges that were brought against you, and he took it away by nailing it to a cross. He paid your debt. Every word every thought every action let me show you another one Ephesians 1 7 he, in, in Jesus we have redemption through his blood by the way this was innocent blood okay 
Innocent blood. In Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, innocent blood. Remember Pilate? He said, I find no fault in him. That's what Pilate, after he looked at him, after he interviewed and questioned Jesus, that's what he said. John 18, 38, if you want to look into it. Judas himself, Judas cried out, I've betrayed an innocent man. Matthew 27, verse 4. Jesus himself said, which of you can truthfully accuse me of sin? John chapter 8, verse 46. John himself explained, in him there is no sin. 1 John chapter 3, verse 5. Okay, so he was perfect. So Paul says in Ephesians 1, 1, 7, in Jesus we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Do you understand the significance of that statement? This is not like, oh, give give your life to Jesus so that you can end up in heaven one day. This is much bigger than than this. We all need this today. Like, I needed it yesterday. I need it today. And I guarantee you, tomorrow, I'm going to need this. Do you get how powerful, how life-changing this is? That you don't have to worry about shame. You don't have to have regrets about the past. That you can live in total freedom. That you can be away from all of the, the stuff that tries to hold you down. And you can say, Lord, I can be healed in Jesus' name. Amen. Bible says, 1 Peter 2.24, he personally, he personally, I love the translation, New Living Translation. He personally, Jesus, carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin. Now, listen, listen carefully. We say no perfect people allowed, but that's not an excuse to just do life however you want to do life. No, that's a, that's a God, thank you that only you get 100, and then I can come before you, and I can, you know, the Bible also says, be perfect as I am perfect, right? So what does that mean? That means that I jump on his bandwagon, that I'm relying on his perfection, because I, as hard as I try, I will never be able to be perfect. And so no perfect people allowed is not like, ooh, I'm off the hook. No, 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 no. That means, that means I'm, I'm thankful, I'm grateful for your grace because it's beyond me. Look at it. I love it. Talk to me, church. Talk to me. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. It's what Solomon said. And then watch this. It says very clear. By his wounds, you are healed. This is not just physical healing. This is not just physical healing. Some of your wounds are not necessarily, your biggest wounds are not necessarily physical. Some of your, your greatest wounds are hidden. You know, all of us, you know, like we can, we can see a handicap, right? You can see when somebody's leg is not working properly, like your hip is hurting, you know, like they're limping a little bit, you know, yeah, you, you can see those, right? I wore my glasses today, okay? You can see physical imperfections, right? But your, some of your deepest wounds are hidden. Nobody can see them. Have you ever noticed how broken our world, like, if you look at our world, you just kind of step aside for a moment. You just kind of hit the pause button and just kind of look back. 
You ever notice how broken our world is? Like, our, like how much healing we could use in this world today? Like, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't always like that. Like, when God made the world, it wasn't wars and tears and stress. There were, nobody was wearing glasses. When God created the world, it was a perfect place. It, he, he called it the Garden of, do you know it? The Garden of Eden, right? It was a perfect paradise. Why? There was no sin. There was, it was a perfect place until Adam and Eve rebelled. And I'm not kind of taking it out on, on Adam and Eve because all of us would have done it. If we wouldn't been in their place, we would have done it, right? Like, and we don't say it, but we all kind of go our own way from time to time. And we think we know what's best. And we think we know what's going to make us happy. And we don't say it, but we kind of just uh, rebel a little bit. But here's the truth. We broke the system, not just Adam and Eve. All of us, we broke the system. And when you look at the world today, everything is broken on planet Earth. Nothing works perfectly. You look at the weather, for example. It's broken. You look at the economy. It's broken. You, you look at the political systems. They're broken. You look at, um, we did the series on, on uh, anxiety, right? Your mind can be broken. You, you can have mental illness and stress and strive and all kinds of pressure. Have you ever gotten your heart broken? I know I have. Your relationships can be broken. Your finances can be broken. Uh, you know, philosophers call this the fall of man. But the Bible says that from the beginning it wasn't so. And God one day decided to change things up and he said, you know what? I'm going to sacrifice myself. Watch this, don't miss it. I'm gonna, because everything is broken, I'm gonna sacrifice myself for the good of the people. And when Jesus, God incarnate, right? God with us. When Jesus comes into the scene uh, to planet earth, what does he begin to do? What, if, you, if you study the gospels, what you recognize is that he began to heal people. And that's why the healing ministry of Jesus is so important. Like in Matthew 9, 30, 35, the Bible says, um, Matthew 9, 35, let's put it up. Uh, it says that he traveled throughout all the towns and villages of the area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And watch this. And then he, Jesus, healed every kind of disease and illness. Now, it's, it's not done, right? He started it. He started the process. Like, the Bible tells us that, that it's not completed. He's, one day he's going to come back and we're going to have new bodies. Amen to that. And we're going to have a new mind. So like, I've been having this little hurt. Like, I don't even know what it is on my shoulder for like the last three months. And it's like, man, just getting old is not for the faint of heart. Like, I'm just like, every day I wake up and there's a, like a, a new pain. Jesus says, there's one day when there's not going to be any of that. But from the moment that he steps onto this planet, he begins to restore us spiritually, physically. And so God doesn't just care about your spiritual, oh, you know, I want you to give your life to Jesus so you can go to heaven. No, no, no. He steps onto the scene and he begins to heal people because he wants to restore you. He wants to restore your mind. He wants to restore your body. He wants to restore you in every single way. And so communion is remembering what he's done for us. He changed the trajectory of history. Last verse, okay, last verse. You're doing really good. 1 John 1, 7. 
It says, so we walk in the light. Okay, we walk in the light as he is in the light. But if we, excuse me, if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have, and the word there in the Greek is the word koinonia. Can you say that? Koinonia. Say it one more time. Koinonia. Fantastic. Literally means communion. We walk in the light as he's in the light, and we have communion with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Purifies us from your past sin, present, and future. Get this. Last thought. Okay, let's put it on the screen. God took the biggest risk announcing forgiveness ahead of time. Think, think about that for a moment. God took the, because we could have taken advantage of his grace, right? Oh, he's going to forgive me, so I'm going to do whatever I want. Took the biggest risk announcing forgiveness ahead of time. The Bible says that when Jesus, if you said in Hebrew, says that his sacrifice was once and yeah, Let's give it up for these people. They're going to get baptized here in a moment. Um, the Bible says this. The Bible says this. It says that when Jesus... When Jesus died, his sacrifice was once and for all. Does that make sense? In the, in the Old Testament, when you look at the system there, they would sacrifice animals for the forgiveness of sins, and then they would have to repeat that, okay? Jesus dies, but that's it. It ends. No more sacrifices from there from that point forward. And when God says forgiveness in this moment is available from this point forward, regardless of your future sin, you know what God was doing? He was taking the biggest risk on you. Because now it's on, it's, it's up to you whether you're going to live for him or not. He said, I'm, I'm, that's it. I'm giving it all to you. But now the table is like, now you hold the cards, right? And now I don't, like, my job is not to call down the gods. He already came down willingly. How risky was his love? How broad and inclusive his grace? And so our job is to remember. That's what communion is, is to celebrate. That's what baptism is. When these people get baptized, you know, like, let's go all out, let's scream, you know, heaven is celebrating. So I'll close with this. I'm going to ask our worship team to get out here. I'll close with this. I don't know if this is a true story or not, but I think it's a fantastic way to kind of wrap things up. This uh, older gentleman um, whose wife had passed away, um, had only one son, he um, loved to, con uh, to collect rare, expensive paintings. And so his son and, and him travel all over the world um, buying very expensive paintings, portraits, and, and whatnot. And it was the one thing that connected them, okay? Because he it was an older man, kind of lonely. Uh, his wife had passed away. Well, the son ends up joining the army, and he ends up going to war, and he dies, and so a few, um, you know, of course, the dad, you know, tremendous loneliness, um, struggled. 
And a few months after his son passed away, he hears a knock on his, at his door. And this young boy, this young, you know, 20-something kid shows up and he says, he says to the father, he says, your, your son saved my life. And he came with a package. He says, your son saved my life. And he used to tell me stories. Whoa, you got a lot of kids. You guys, come on on. Come on, guys. Yeah, give it up for our kids. Ooh, Heather, you got a full room. Oh, we can do better than that. We can give it up for our kids. Let's cheer for our kids. This is awesome, man. I love this. All right, good, good deal. This is good. I love this. This kind of distractions, I love, all right? So this is awesome. Thank you, guys. You guys doing all right? You guys doing good? Awesome. Okay, so where was I? Um, so this soldier comes in, knocks at the old man's door, opens the door, and he says, he says, I have a gift for you. Your son used to tell me the stories of you traveling with him all over the country and collecting rare pieces of art, expensive pictures. And I'm not an artist, but I, I, I put something together, and it's for you. And the father opens it up, and it was a, it was a portrait of the son. And... It meant a lot to him because he had a, a little bit of a resemblance of his son. And so months later, you know, still dealing with all the loneliness, with all the difficulty, he takes one of the very expensive portraits and removes it from the mantle at his home. And he replaces it with the portrait that the soldier had given him, which was not rare. It was not remotely as good, but it reminded him of his son. So he puts it right there dead center on the mantle and for months he remembered his son he looked at look at it long story short a few years later the father passes away he dies and in his will he said i want to donate all of my paintings and i want to donate them to a nonprofit. and i'm gonna i'm gonna put on it like I'm, I, what i want is an auction to sell all of these paintings. And sure enough, after he dies, they open up an auction and people from all over the world travel to come try to get their hands on one of these very rare, very expensive paintings. The auctioneer puts a picture of the sun right in front of everybody and he says, in the will, the father said that he wanted to auction off the painting of the sun first and people started complaining ah oh, you know we didn't come for that thing nobody knew who, who painted it they didn't know the back story and they're like man we're, why waste our time and he said i have to do this according to the will so he goes off you know and it starts at like 200 and nobody bids on it and then he lowers the bid 150 nobody does anything 100 nobody and then an older gentleman in the back kind of a kind soul says hey would you take would you take ten dollars for it and the auctioneer said sold and in that moment he said the auction concludes of course everybody's 
upset as all get out. What do you mean the auction is done? Are you kidding me? We've traveled hundreds of miles to get our hands on some of these. He says, it was stipulated in the will that whoever gets the sun gets it all. Whoever gets a painting of the sun gets the rest of the artwork. Don't miss the point today. Spiritually, it's the same. I'm not selling you religion. I don't care what denomination you are. The to-do list, you can throw it away. I'm asking you, make sure you establish, make sure you get the sun. And everything else will come. Communion is remembering them that when throughout history everybody was offering sacrifices to their gods our God, our Jehovah God says you know what I'm going to change things up, I'm going to flip the script I'm going to sacrifice myself for you with heads bowed and eyes closed what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to peel the top layer okay and then peel the second layer as well if you're watching at home, I hope you can join us as well. We said earlier on social media in the last message, if you can get maybe a piece of bread and some juice. Of course, all of this is done differently than in, in the past. But here's what I want to do for the next 10 seconds. I want you to reflect and I want you to remember what he's done for you. Maybe you're here today and you need to confess your sins. I know in my life, man, there's plenty of junk. And so maybe you're here and you need to say, Lord, I'm going to own it. I'm going to agree with you. The way I treated my wife, was that was wrong. Lord, the way, the way I'm handling my finances, God, I'm not putting you first, God. I'm going I'm to ask you to please forgive me and I'm going to readjust. Let God, I, I have that habit. And the preacher doesn't have to say anything, but it's not good for me. It's kind of leading me down a bad path. God, I need your help. I don't know. I would have to be a God to be able to tell you what you need to say. God's speaking to you, every single one of you. And so for some of you, it's a time of reflection. For some of you, it's a time to remember. For some of you, it may be a time to confess and say, Lord, please forgive me. I want to, I want to, I need your strength to do things the right way. Like Solomon say, I want to do things the right way. You care more about living right and doing what's just than a sacrifice. But what I want to do is I'm going to stop talking. And I'm going to give you 10 seconds. Maybe 15, 20 seconds. And this is between you and the Lord.
Father God, I don't know how it would have been as much as we read in Scripture. I just don't know what that moment would have looked like. I don't know what, how it felt, the excruciating physical pain that you went through for me. I don't understand the immensity of the weight spiritually that you carried to the cross for me. I know that when I, when I think of my sins and I think of the guilt and the shame, I mean, I don't want to carry that. I cannot imagine you carrying the sins of the world. A couple billion people who worship you today, God, I cannot imagine that the, the weight of the guilt and the shame times those who come before us, times those who will come ahead of us. I, I, it cannot, I cannot fathom. But I can stop for a moment and say, thank you. I can stop for a moment and say, God, forgive me of my, my junk, my doubts. When I want to be my own God, when I want to make myself happy my own way, because when I think I know what's best, God, forgive me. God, we look to you and we ask you, give us the strength to be the real deal, God. Convict us where we need to be convicted, Lord. Lead us where we need to be led. We need you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. In remembrance of him. Would you stand, please?